Academy episode 38. But here's basically the three steps of this. You get a transaction. It's your engagement that will then lead to the relationship. And I agree with you both, Greg, and with Jason. We want to choose the clients we work with. So every customer that comes through Freedom Auto Repair, they're not a client. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome automotive aftermarket professionals to the Town Hall Academy Forum asking this question, is the goal to bring cars into the bay or clients into the business? Find the show notes with the talking points already written for you. Go to remarkableresults.biz slash A038. Hey, welcome you. Carm Capriato here thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for their support of the Town Hall Academy. At Jasper Engines and Transmissions, quality and customer service is their number one goal. Their associates take pride in their work, and it shows in the quality drivetrain products they produce. Their quality and customer service has kept them growing for 75 years. Be sure to download the podcast listening app. Find it at the App Store. Search for Remarkable Results Radio. Right to your smart device, find every story and lesson from the Aftermarket's premier educational resource. Hey, find the sister video of this podcast at remarkableresults.biz slash A038. You can watch the discussion in action as it unfolded. Also, find extended bios on my guests and links to their previous episodes. All academies can be found on the Academy Toolbox page on the website. Now, joining me to discuss, is the goal to bring cars into the bay or clients into the business, our shop owners Greg Buckley from Buckley's Personalized Driver Care in Wilmington, Delaware, Jeremy O'Neill from Freedom Auto in Hesperia, California, and Jason Mallow from Advanced Automotive Performance in Uxbridge, Massachusetts. Now, enjoy another Town Hall Academy Education Forum. What is the goal? Bringing cars into the bay or clients into the business? Jeremy, who's supposed to do that in the business? Oh, wow. I mean, that's twofold. I think, you know, my mindset being that of a service advisor and creating sales every single day, if you analyze shops, I think one of the things that we notice is when you see a slump in sales, there's a a KPI that precedes that, which is a drop in car count. And it's easy to see where if you make a big sale or you have a couple large tickets that go in, service providers typically will back off on pushing that car count number in. And one of the things that we try to do at our shop every day is we have a consistent car count number that we're trying to generate because we know if we hit that target first, everything else will kind of fall in line. If you don't have enough opportunity, you know, it can change the dynamics between the sales. So the service rider, number one, their job is to bring the cars in and then it's the culture job to create the client. So I think first and foremost, we have to create the cars. So yes, we've got to bring cars in, man. Show up on a Monday with no car in your bay, and guess what you're doing? <laughs> you're really starting to stress out about what are we going to do this week as far as revenue goes. So if the cars are there, guess what? The revenue is going to follow and it's the cultural thing. And that's why I'm, I'm so excited. I'm going to, I got like three pins. I'm going to take a ton of notes because I'm sure Greg and Jason are going to give us a lot of tips on culture and the dynamics of creating clients. Um, you know, but without the cars, you're not going to get the clients as well. So, Greg, is the job of the CEO of the business to do all this marketing and, if you will, recruitment? And I know there's retention in there, too. Uh, you know, I, I look at it as that, that is 
my primary responsibility is to bring, you know, to create the culture, number one, uh, which should attract the clientele that you need. And you can go in any avenue, you know, any part of your marketing should, you know, kind of give the impression of what your business is like, you know, uh, how you take care of people, uh, what your favorite, uh, you know, what your personality really is. You know, each business has its own personality and it really comes from the core of what the owner uh, or CEO is all about. So, you know, when you talk about bringing people in the, into the business, um, how is your business attractive? You know, from you know, curb to the counter, uh, phone calls, all of those little things that start to come in are really important because it really sets a tone for the client that might be new to you, and also for the ones that you retain. I mean, do you do you talk their language? Do you speak with them instead of at them? Um, do, you, do you like the favorite sports teams? Are you part of that that uh, that that culture or, or or that community that kind of focuses around a few things? So that's what it's like. It, it, that's what I mean when bringing people into the business to the base. It, it's absolutely important to have a base ready to go and and full on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, from the revenue stream. But if you don't develop a uh, you know, a culture, uh, a theme, a personality. Um, bringing those cars in is a little bit harder. So, you know, where do we look at? And I tend to look at that the business, you know, and especially from the CEO, uh, we got to we got to be able to to transcend that that uh, I guess purpose down through our whole uh, employee base. You know, so everybody kind of like gets around, and you know, they know what like I say, they know what they get at Buckley's. Uh, this is Buckley's. You're from Buckley's. You know, this is what it's all about. So, you know, that's. That's what I think. Craig, one more question. How do people uh, have a chance, a window of opportunity to enter the business? I mean, it's not like physically that will they come in the door. There are there are other opportunities to create. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it. you know, there's there's a need in every community and it could be as standard as uh, serving, uh, you know, a piece of pizza or being a pizza, pizza place or, or donuts or whatever. For us, it's auto repair. Uh, so what do we have to give them extra windows to come in? All right. You have your social media, you've got your, uh, your emails, you've got all of your collateral, your postcards, you've got all that to present. Then you've got your other service menus. You know, um, what are you doing diverse that the community needs that you may not be aware of? Um, are there opportunities there? And you start to look at what different, uh, different opportunities there are and you go, okay, well, if the community needs it and I can supply it, and it can be a profitable situation, then should I entertain it? And, you know, that's another whole avenue of bringing in a, another client base or people bringing into the business. Do you have one particular, Greg, avenue that is, is, is the, one, of, one of your best returns, your return on investment? Is it Facebook, for example? I, I really think that Facebook is a primary driver for new client acquisition. And it's a little bit difficult to measure. I've said a time before that to truly measure your, your, uh, your ROI and penetration on social media and Facebook in particular is really take the long approach. It's a hard approach, but you look at your fans and followers that you have within your social streams and then simply you know, compare that to your database uh, that you have in your business and you can see what the spend would be uh, and versus if they're following you. So it's almost as if you don't say, I don't have a reason to contact them or to engage with them. Basically, you know, some people, they could be five figures with you. 
And then you say, well, I should be talking to them. I should be engaging. They're spending their time enough to want to be with you, right? To engage with you. They may make a remark about what are the posts you have, especially if they're coming from your, uh, your business page. If they engage with you on your business page, man, they, they really enjoy what you have. So it's almost mandatory to kind of be back at them you know, to talk back with them, engage in a conversation. You know, and that's where I think, like I said, I think Facebook wins hand, hands down. Um, you know, the other elements and the other streams that are out there, if you can find your niche and you can, like you know, some people on Pinterest or Instagram and all that, hey, great, go for it. It's just finding out where your client base is and how you can engage with them routinely. Hey, I'm with Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center. Hey, are your customers investing in Jasper? Absolutely. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest thing is, is in the world of automotive nowadays, uh, let's don't talk about parts and labor so much. You know, when you, when you look at the mechanical side of it and look at the parts and labor side, you know, you're, you're selling cu- the customer a transmission, but what you're really doing is selling peace of mind. So it's not hard convincing customers to invest in their vehicle. Uh, we don't feel like it is. Uh, we, we haven't really had an issue with that. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. And, you know, in certain situations, you may have uh, somebody that doesn't necessarily see that value, but it's our responsibility to show the value that Jasper has. It's not about your transmission is going to shift through all five gears now. It's more about you can take the kids to soccer this evening without having a problem. You'll be able to make it to work tomorrow without a problem. You can go on that vacation and not have a worry. That's what it's more about. And Jasper provides that so that we can offer that to the customer. Hey, Brian, thanks for your time. Carm, thank you. Jason, so relationships, your business was built on relationships. And is that the key to really creating clients in the business as we're discussing today? From my perspective, yes. Um, Our goal from day one has always been to build strong relationships with each one of our clients. Um, Starts with trying to market to and identify the um, correct clients for the business and make sure that they're a good fit for what we offer. Uh, There's a lot of different ways of offering auto service and, you know, some people looking for the cheapest price and they're driving a beater and don't care about properly maintaining the car and keeping it up to a high level. And that would be somebody that would not be, a target client for us. I love what you're saying about a target client. We've done some very interesting interviews, guys, about having an avatar. Uh, do you have that particular model defined as to who this client is? Not as well as I should, or not as well as I've heard some of your other guests do it. But um, as a general statement, yes, we have it pretty well defined. And once you have that figured out and you market towards them, and you get the first opportunity to meet them when they make a phone call to the business, come into the business, uh, respond through social media like Greg was talking about. Um, and once you have that first opportunity, they've basically raised their hand and said, hey, I'm interested in what you have to offer. Um, I look at that as the first opportunity to really have a deep conversation with the customer as quickly as possible and let them know what we're all about and what our Um, business philosophy is around auto service and try to help them understand that there's a huge amount of savings that they could realize by first of all, choosing 
the correct car to purchase, which we can go into that more if you want, but um, basically finding something ideally that's six months to three years old and under 36,000 miles, still under factory warranty, but it, someone else has already taken the depreciation hit. Um, you purchase that vehicle, and then if you get on a great maintenance program with your chosen shop, the cars of today can last 250, 300,000 miles or more. And when you figure the math out over the long haul, um, over a driving lifetime, people could literally save $250,000 or more. Well, thank you for bringing that up because we've done a Town Hall Academy on this exact subject. All you have to do is go to the website, go to the search button, type in 250K maintenance, and I think you'll, you'll see that episode. Really, really worth your investment. Jeremy, so if the CEO's job, like we've kind of all discussed, is to, is to get that client base through marketing and in my role as the CEO, how important is the service advisor? I mean, the service advisors are the pillar of, of success. I mean, they have their foot on the gas pedal for the business. So as Jason was talking, I just kind of wrote up the, this little um, graphic. What we're all trying to do is get a transaction, right? So the transactions, the customer brings the car to our shop. And it's the culture that's going to drive the level of engagement. Here's what a client's going to give you. They're going to give you the transaction and then it's engagement. You're going to go into engagement next. That's where the customer's at your shop looking at your business. How is the experience that I'm going to go through? So we all want relationship. And I agree. We have to move from transaction to relationship. But here's basically the three steps of this. You get a transaction. It's your engagement that will then lead to the relationship. And I agree with you both, Greg, and with Jason. We want to choose the clients we work with. So every customer that comes through Freedom Auto Repair, they're not a client. And there are some that we choose not to do business with because I just won't work that way, you know, for instance. So, mm -hmm. but the transaction, my goal, number one, especially building this business this year is to generate as many transactions that my factory can actually handle and then get into engagement with those clients. And, you know, for so much, we, we haven't done a lot of, of, you know, profiling of the cars or whatever. It's kind of like, hey, you got a car with four wheels, six wheels, bring it in. We'll work on it. But we're looking for those relationships and trying to get the relationship as fast as we can. So I think the big thing you're, to answer your question, the service advisor is key. And everybody that answers the phone is key to creating that transaction. And watch, in the next three to four years, the amount of phone calls we receive from our clients is going to drop as technology takes place to that where customers don't have to talk to somebody where they can get all the answers they want right here on their phone. So I think it's, it's key right now. We got to watch how it shifts. So it's transaction. What's your culture drive for engagement? And then does the customer qualify for a relationship? And did we earn a relationship with the client as well? So I think it's twofold there. Experience. Absolutely. The experience you just brought up. We also did a Town Hall Academy on 21 successful tips on how to get an edge over the competition. And a lot of that was really how to improve the experience of the customer in their interaction with you. Well, speed of service is key. And right now, that's a cultural thing that we're, we're really pushing and driving in at our shop because I, I had a client walk in this morning at you know 745, has an issue with his vehicle going through the drive-thru. So we're top of mind awareness. We have a relationship with him. We've created a client. It started as a transaction six months ago. So now he has to have his truck this afternoon and speed of service is this. Hey, Matt, we'll get your vehicle in right away. You don't have an appointment. You're a VIP client. I'll move some things around. We'll get looking at it right away. Well, he's back here 45 minutes later. His truck's in the same spot. So guess what? We failed on my view of speed of service. I should have triaged that vehicle and gotten it in quicker. And that's going to lead to more revenue because the faster we get inspected, the faster we can get the quote done and get it into the workflow. Guess what? 
he sees that he's a, a priority and, and it's going to make it happen. So it, 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 high car count drives that fast paced action within the culture. So I really love high car count because you, man, if you give your guys and your team a lot of opportunity, they don't have a minute to waste. They won't be looking at Facebook. They're not even watching this right now because they're working on cars, but <laughs> <laughs> we hope. But you guys understand what I'm saying? Like, if you have a slow day and it's a slow pace, man, yeah. it takes two hours to get an oil change and a courtesy check done. Whereas when you have 40 cars, man, things are rock and things are nuts. So that's, and obviously you can tell the, uh, the caffeine that we drink here in California is a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you guys are like, <laughs> this, is a, this is a perfect tie-in to the question that I want to ask Greg. So I started my business and I thought all I ever had to do, Greg, was fix cars. Right, right. Uh, you know, that's so wrong. <laughs> you know, there's so there's so much more to it. And every one of us has probably had that, uh, you know, thought run bias. Like, you know, and in fact, I was in my last uh, uh, class at, at ATI, we had a young man from Virginia and him and I shared the same story. He's like, okay, when I, I grew up, personally speaking, I grew up in the service station business. So, I mean, it, it was... Service, 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 service. What, what can I do for you? How can I help you? All that. Well, he came in from the complete opposite. All he's, you know, all he says, all I think I have to do is just fix cars. Is, I didn't realize how wrong I was. And I, my thing was, is, you know, back when, you know, uh, we officially purchased my dad out, you know, and, and we were doing things, I went from the person who is out front and getting people in and building the culture and building things to a technician mindset. Whereas, Hey, I better look at the efficiency and, and of and the profitability of the car, and let's forget about you know the woman that the at, at, who needs air in her tires or the woman who wants her oil checked and and just the little things that made that bond uh, more solid. And it was a big mistake, you know, one of the biggest ones I ever I ever did. Uh, sure, the base survived, but you know what? Uh, it, there's that disconnect with the with the community with, with building the next relationship or or continuing the one you already have. So you know it. it we can't just be technicians. You can't. I mean, and you can't be a baker and you can't be a barista. And, you know, not if you're owning the business. You have to be able to build this culture, get these people attracted to why they want to deal with you. You know, it, that's so hard today because there's so many distractions for a client. And like all of us, as long as we have this in our hand, it, it gives us the ability to go anywhere we want and be satisfied with anything we can get anywhere we can find it. So we better be able to say, wait a minute, just call Buckley's, you know, and, and, and really that's why I, I kind of rebrand it, you know, from Buckley'sAutoCare.com. The new domain name is just call Buckley's. Why? Just call Buckley's, just call Buckley's preparing for the home assault with, uh, you know, uh, uh, audio search, you know, Someone says, hey, just call Buckley's. Okay, just call Buckley's.com. So we're trying to gear up for that, um, you know, the need-based, you know. So that's where I believe building your business and should be focused at. It's definitely not inside the bay. It's, it, it's you. It's at the counter. So, Jason, I have a car. And really, I have to look at that car as a person. Is that what our whole message here is about? Pretty much, yeah. You have to see the person that drives the car, basically. And that's something that we've been working on in our shop to get the technicians to focus on. Because a lot of times, if they're not seeing the customer, not meeting the customer, that type of thing, it becomes transactional, like Jeremy was talking about earlier. And 
they're just looking at the next job on their board, what they have to touch. And they're not thinking about, Hey, the, if I make a mistake on this, or if I don't put my full attention into this job, this person may have a problem getting to work tomorrow, getting their kids home from school, whatever it may be, understanding from everybody in the business that the person behind the car is the important piece. The car is just what we're currently doing to serve them. What are you doing to get that technician to know and understand that that's really a person, not a hunk of metal? A lot of it is communication from the front of the shop. So the service advisors and myself, whenever I'm interacting with you know the jobs working in the business, <laughs> um, we talk to the techs and we explain to them, okay, the customer told us this is what's happening and try to build it into a story more so than just a R&R breaks, you know, on the paperwork. We try to tell a story that has some humanity behind it and get the techs on the same page as us and the customer that's bringing the vehicle to us. If, if I could just jump in here for a second, because Jason, you, br- you bring up a really good point. And it's something that I, I, I don't think enough of us do. Not say that I, I, even myself, we don't do it enough, but there, there's, I always say there's four things that we're born with that we just don't utilize enough. And those four things are two eyes and two ears. And when we're in a service bay, and from a technician standpoint and from a service counter standpoint, what you see going on in the car can actually help diagnose a vehicle or at least give a, a, a profile of the client at the counter so that between the two, the technician and the service advisor, you pretty much can see how the person drives. You know, look around the interior and say, wow, it's pretty trashy. All right, so you know they pretty much leave a hurried life, right? And they're fairly probably going to be a more a little bit aggressive, maybe not caring enough. Look at the foot, the pedals, the fuel pedals, the brake pedals. Is it worn to one side? Little things that you can key in on that can help the service advisor kind of um, uh, create a story or not even just a profile, but give us something Give them something to talk about at the counter. Like if a tech says, Let's take a look at this vehicle. Look what we got going on in here. All right, it's sloppy. There's problems going on. Or, and, and, and just don't focus on the problems. But go back and say, this is what we found. The service advisor can go back and start a conversation very gently. Again, this is, this is training to say, well, listen, we understand that you, know, you probably have a really busy life and we have all this stuff going on. But here's what you need to do to kind of start the correction point. And this is what we can do for services. I just feel that we fail to really uh, view the whole car and the client together. And, and you brought that point up where we're, we're putting them in silos instead of looking at the whole life condition. And I think that can help us out if we start to look at it. Like I said, it's life, man. Things go on. And that you just raised a good point. So I'll, I'll just stop there. Yeah. So... One of the big things that I look at is, as of right now, there's a lot of um, disruptions going on in the world in general, but also in our industry. And I think that that's something that we all need to pay close attention to. And that is some another reason that the relationship is so important. Let's take, for example, businesses in the past who have disappeared off the planet because they weren't paying attention or didn't react correctly or fast enough to situations that were happening in their industry. So a couple good examples of that are Blockbuster, Kodak, MySpace, 
there's a whole host of them out there. And is a good one that I can't remember the name of the company, but it was a train company way back, you know, 50, 60 years ago, whatever it was. And they weren't looking at themselves as a transportation company. And when people started using automobiles and planes and different things like that, the train company, you know, went out of business. Whereas one of their competitors realized what was going on and they shifted and they realized, hey, we have this huge database of customers that are already doing business with us that already trust us. And the industry is changing. So they switched over from a train company to a human transportation company. And it turned into one of the major airlines. I can't remember which one it was. But um, basically what I'm getting at is if you pay attention to the news, um, all the major car companies have recently announced that they're getting rid of the combustion engine in the next five years or so. Um, a lot of them, 100%, they say. Some of them, it's going to be partially hybrid, partially electric. Um, but when you start looking at that, what are, the, what are those vehicles going to need for service? Not nearly as much as the gasoline engine cars do or the diesels do. And so at some point in the next five to 10 years, I see that we're going to need to have other services to provide to our customer base in order to continue to stay in business. There's just not going to be enough maintenance and repairs on these vehicles the way they're built. Then you also take into account the autonomous cars, the self-driving cars that are going to be on the horizon. You know, so all of these different things are things that are going to cut into the business model that we currently are operating on. And if we recognize that the relationship is the important part and we have relationships with hundreds or thousands of customers, well, as the industry changes and as they don't need as much service on the cars, well, maybe we can do things like I've seen some of the stuff Greg does with the rental bikes and different things like that. You need to kind of keep your eyes and ears open for opportunities that you can provide other services or products to the same client base because that relationship is built on trust if it's done right. And when someone, when you have that bond, that trust, now they can come to you for other things that they might not have a resource for. You know, Greg, he's laying you up a softball because <laughs> really, because you know, you've, you've rebranded the company as a Buckley's personalized driver care. And, and it lends exactly to what Jason's saying. Yeah, I think it's really critical that, you know, we we're constant, we're, we put ourselves in a constant state of evolution and that is difficult. Um, but, you know, just like, you know, our, the people who did it before, our barbers uh, are now doctors. You know, they were blood letters and barbers, then surgeons, you know. So why? Because they handle a scalpel, they handle a blade, you know, that, that kind of evolutionary steps in a professional uh, entity is natural. And Jason, you're spot on. I mean, as, as cars become less, it doesn't mean people don't need more. And we got to be able to supply them with that more, that, uh, that, that difference. You know, when you walk into, uh, you know, um, my uh, uh, skin doctor, you know, and, and look at things, um, you know, he now does like surgeries and, and plastic surgeries and, and all this other stuff. So he's evolving and every professional will need to do that. Uh, it, it's it's critical. It, it really is. And you always have to be looking for that next step. You know, I love your point. Never before, you get a chance every once in a while to flip through the TV and, and you look at uh, Turner Classic movies and you see the movies that were made in the 40s, even in the 30s. 
and you look back and you say, wow, that was such a different time. And if you could use that from just a short 50, 60 years ago and realize the evolution and you look at what you would see in the different movies from each and every decade, we shouldn't be surprised <laughs> that next decade no. will look even it, the acceleration of time and change is so, you know, and what we're doing is so much faster. So great points to bring up, because I think as, as we focus on what a client's about, it really depends on the needs of the client and, 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 and the shift that we need to, to make to, to make them part of the business. Jeremy, I want to I want to go back almost to a little bit of a base of what we were talking about, about some people say there's just not enough cars. We just don't have enough cars. And I think what we're trying to do is change that mentality for car count. Is that true? You know, it's uh, one of the points I want to talk about was just in time marketing and there's plenty of cars and my service manager is completely different than I am. Our discs are completely opposite. He likes to schedule things. He likes to have it regimented, but I've got to go through a little bit of Jeremy in there every single day because if I don't, I know the schedule will not work out perfect. But that yin and yang probably makes you guys perfect together. It does. Yeah, there's the friction's not necessarily there. We work really well together. We communicate well together. So it was interesting. I was on the phone doing a training call yesterday, and the phone rang, and I picked it up while I had you know a new partner bringing into the business. And I said, yeah, it's great to have Freedom Auto Repair. This is Jeremy. How can I help you? Hey, how much do you guys charge for a transmission flush? Okay, here's a car. Here's a car count. So I converted the lead. Five minutes later, that car is in our bay. So don't tell me there's not enough cars. There's not enough opportunity. My market sucks. Yelp sucks. All this stuff. I don't care about that. There are so many cars outside of every shop that you couldn't handle 10% of the market penetration that you have within your, da- within your market. So there's plenty of opportunity. If you're having a car count issue... You're just too rigid and you don't want to change and you want everything laid out perfectly and you want all these perfect clients to roll in and say, oh, I'm a client. Here's what I want to do. Show me the maintenance schedule you want me to be on and I'll sign. Here's my Amex. BS, that ain't going to happen. So you've <laughs> got to work. Auto repair is hard. It's a hard it business. Really you got to show up every day with your boots on, ready to work, jump into the fight and sift through all the junk we have to, to find the diamonds. But guess what? They're out there every single day. And going to the points, I love what Jason and Greg said. I took a ton of notes, which their point is this. You better maximize your shop's productivity and revenue stream right now because the next five years is the absolute best we're ever going to see. We don't know what's going to be here in 10 or 15 years. There is going to be a market for the aftermarket. But right now is the time. The sun is shining. The market's perfect. Capitalize on the opportunities in front of us and make it happen. So, Carm, there's plenty of cars it's just we may it might be uncomfortable to take in a two o'clock transmission flush that has an issue, but guess what? That's a customer in my marketplace that can turn into a client. I think add to that, Jeremy, as well. Maximize our staff's experience and yes. their intelligence. Um, it goes a long way. Don't be afraid to challenge your team with a diverse training opportunity that will lead you into a different marketplace. It takes it. It takes absolutely tons of uh, consulting, teamwork, and everything. But once you start to extract the intelligence and the desires, that it could seem alternative. But once you explain what you're doing, they can put you. They can help you get into another market and then grow that from from that point on. So you know, a case in point was today. Um, we had a, a, a client call us up. I can't get my XM to, to communicate. It's not working. Well, my son-in-law, who's one of our techs, had all that experience. Why? Because he worked for Geek Squad 
back in his younger days. So I said, we on? I look at him. Yeah, no problem. So sure enough, she brings it in. And within 45 minutes, we've got everything working, XM working, serious. She was told she's got to get a whole new head unit. So in 45 minutes, we fix everything. We get her wired and dialed in. He, he does his thing. Boom. She is, she's all over us. She loves it. So that's another area where, like I said, he's got experience. Let's extract that value out of our staff to propel us into a different marketplace. That's key. I love where we went with this. Uh, I keep thinking about specialization versus all makes all models. And I'm wondering if that's part of how we have to think about uh, gaining and getting clients, guys. I've got a few things to say if I can chime in. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to hear what you have to say, Jason. That's why all I came right. with the <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> So the, the all makes and all models versus specialization. Um, if you think back to the client piece that we've been talking about f- for the first part of this, um, from a an operational standpoint, being specialized makes a ton of sense. Um, you can now have the highest level of expertise in the shop because you're specializing on a small amount of differences in vehicles. And you can also stock parts. Um, there's a lot of things that make the process go smoother. You're not going to run into as many unknown problems where when you're working on the same brands over and over again, you kind of get very familiar with them and you know almost exactly what's going on. Kind of like a dealership mentality. So if you think about that, even from a dealership standpoint, the dealership is selling one, two, maybe a couple different brands of vehicles and they're losing a lot of their service revenue to the independents. Now, granted, over the past couple of years, they've been trying to get all that back. And one of the things they've done is they've started working on brands that they don't sell. And so that's kind of my point with this whole thing is the whole, the best, um, the most important piece is the client relationship. So let's say, for example, you have a family household and the husband drives a Honda, the wife drives a BMW, the kid drives a Chevy Cavalier. So they're all over the map. And just think about it from your own standpoint. If, if you were the person in that situation, is it more convenient for you and a smarter move for you to take each vehicle to a separate shop who specializes in it or to a dealership that specializes in it? Or is it more convenient to find an independent who can work on all three of the vehicles for you? That to me seems pretty obvious for most people that going to one place is a whole lot easier than spreading it out over three. You know, there's a lot of benefits to them. If they're bringing three vehicles to a shop, well, they now become a VIP client versus just another number at a dealership because they're bringing a vehicle. So although the operational side makes a lot of sense to go specialize because of the client relationship and the importance of that and the future that I was talking about earlier, it, in my mind, it does not make sense to specialize. It makes sense to do all makes in this shop. Now, that being said, I've been looking into different options that you can do a combination of both. So we're all familiar with barbers and hairstylists and things like that and how they all, each one of them rents a booth at a shop. So why couldn't we transition our industry to do that as well? So now you take the technician who is um, the technician suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure, as they say in uh, <laughs> I'm trying to blank here, but that book that we always talk about. <laughs> E-Myth, anyway. E-Myth. E-Myth, E-Myth, E-Myth yeah. yes, yes. So, I mean, think about it. All of, most of the, us here came to the industry or opened our own shops because of that thought process. Well, 
we don't know anything about business in most cases, as we were discussing earlier too. So why can't we make it easier? And there's a shop that has individual bays and you have a technician who wants to own his own business. Well, let him own his own specialty within that one shop. So the shop itself is marketing for all brand customers to come in and you can service all brands across the family, but you have specialists within the business who work on specific brands. That to me makes a whole lot more sense as a business. Model. There's a business model transformation right there. Correct. Well, that's, it, it sounds exactly like when you go to the new medical practices. Um, when you walk in and you're saying you're seeing a specific doctor, that doctor is part of a group, but yet the group doesn't maintain the building or it might not, it might not maintain the hardware. Case in point, you go in for a shoulder situation, you're seeing a shoulder uh, specialist is that orthopedic, orthopedic doctor? Okay. So I, you walk in and the appointment was in, oh, I need an x-ray. Well, I have to go down the hallway, register with another group who has the x-ray machine, go down there, get the x-ray machine. Then it's brought back to a central desk, which then goes back to the doctor. Now there's three separate entities all in that one right there, mm -hmm. but they carry the orthopedic, uh, the heart doctor, uh, the, you know, the foot doctor, whatever doctor you need, it's in the confines of that building. They're all separate to themselves but they have one major one destination, uh, one destination. Yeah. To go to. So, you know, it, it's a very good point. What do you think of that point, Jeremy? I mean, and I guess the, the reason that I'm asking you and Greg, I really wanted to thanks for chiming in. You guys are out there, you're doing training. You're, you're in front of so many service professionals. What do you hear them talking to you about? It's interesting. So in our, one of the courses that we, in actually most of our courses, we'll talk about building your unique service promise to your client. And the question is, why should a consumer choose my shop over any other shop? Now, one of the things that we talk about is our technicians have the specialized knowledge, skill, and expertise to fix your car right the first time. I don't really touch BMWs. I mean, if we get a BMW in our shop, I'm not tooled for it. I don't know them that well. And yeah, I, I will help but guess what? I'm not a specialist in it. So is there a specialty shop up here that will do that? Yes. Um, however, their service level isn't as good as ours. So if I had that, absolutely, I'm thinking, wow, we had a hair salon when I took this place over. I should have just moved the stylist out and moved different technicians into those stalls and had the business model that Jason just talked about. That's absolutely awesome. Um, you know, for me, I think the specialization is if you have it and your market can deliver enough of the vehicles for you. So I have a Volkswagen Audi background. There's not enough of those cars in my market for me to be a Volkswagen Audi specialty shop. However, if I went down to Los Angeles, absolutely. I would be a Volkswagen Audi specialty store because I'd see those cars all day long. Now, the flip side of that is car count. I can drive enough car count, but if my client and Audi customers do this all the time, they go back to the other European makes. I mean, you have some really hardcore Audi fans, but after they have to pay for repairs, after the car's out of warranty, you're going to lose some clients because they're not going to drive that brand anymore. So if I'm stuck with the brand, uh, I might lose my clients. So I like this model of, you know, and, and the majority, you know, a lot of the aftermarket is General Auto. Um, you know, and talk to you guys too. You get a diesel truck in that you don't know the system on. Oh, you, it can cost you more to repair that vehicle than you'll actually make in, in profit. So we've got to be careful there. So I would say, Find what your specialty is, what your expertise is. And if it is in delivering an amazing client service experience, you have a Ford Power Stroke Diesel. Great. I don't have a specialist in that. However, I can outsource it and bring them to my shop. So there's all these different things that we have to start thinking differently of to make that happen. So if your demographics lead you to be a specialty shop, keep rocking it, keep doing it, follow your customers. And if not, in your general auto, 
be really good at what you do. And I'd say move more towards that client experience, kind of like what Greg has said and what Jason said. So a lot of different models are going to emerge in the near future, for sure. No doubt. I've got to figure out how to rent a bay. I don't know to do what though. Well, you know, it's funny because I think our, our resident guru, Mr. Jerry Kaziah, uh, a couple shows ago, gave a great example of how businesses are, what kind of business you should run. And, and the example was, he was, in a, he was in an event, 2,500 people were asked to color a picture. They colored the picture. And within 20, out of 2,500 people, every picture successfully colored the, 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 the picture, colored the picture, but they all did it differently. And the key was every business is different and you're going to be different and you want to be different. You want to be a reflection of what your community needs, uh, what, how you can serve it. It's, it's, I say it's simple, but it takes work. Thanks for bringing that up, Greg. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry, because that was that was a great episode, uh, Town Hall. Hey, look at guys. Thanks so much. I appreciate this. I want to give you, a, you know, really quick uh, last word here. Thank you so much for your passion and, and the great words and your wisdom. So let's sum it up. The subject was: Is the goal to bring cars into the bays or clients into the business? Jason, I'll give you your last word. So I guess. From my perspective, the answer is bring clients into the business and build that relationship, build that trust. And no matter where the future takes our industry, we'll always have a great group of clients that we can work with no matter what we're selling them, whether it's auto service or transportation in a different format or something totally different in the future. Who knows? But at least you've got all those relationships that you can work with. And don't be stuck in the sand. You've got you to you change. You've got to move. Correct. Jeremy. Well, my uh, closing thought would be not enough cars can be the kiss of death for your auto repair shop. Too many cars could lead to a cultural breakthrough that could help you dominate the market in the future. So I am more apt to let's bring the cars, let's find the clients we want in those cars. I'd rather have more opportunity than not enough. So when it comes to car count, remember, your marketing has driven a lead to your shop that could be one of the best clients wrapped in a POS or a junker. They may have connections to one of the largest fleets in your town. They might know somebody who could come spend $10,000 at your shop. You never know what it's going to look like. So take advantage of the opportunities in front of us and make it happen. That reminds me of what Na- Bill Nalu said a few weeks back too on an academy where he did a emergency flat repair for a walking customer and it led to this huge fleet customer for years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah. never know. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And he I mean, Bill looked at him as a client, not as, you know, a tire. Mm-hmm. Final words of wisdom, Mr. Buckley. A quote from Milton Hershey. Business is the act of human service. And I... I, that, that, that line sticks with me because as long as we know how to serve mankind and our fellow members in our community, we'll always have a business underneath of us. Thank you all for being here. All right. Thanks, Thank Thanks. you. See you guys. See you in Vegas. See yeah. There you go. See you at Apex. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 